With the first pick in the 2008 WNBA draft, the Los Angeles Sparks select Candace Parker. With the first pick in the 2011 WNBA draft, the Minnesota Lynx select Maya Moore from the University of Connecticut. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Rebel Edition, your bi-weekly WNBA podcast brought to you by Sports Ethos and Outlet Pass. My name is Corey Rausch. I am a contributor and board member for Outlet Pass covering the WNBA and MNBA. As always, I am joined by Bailey Caldwell, a fellow founder of Outlet Pass. Bailey, how are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Corey? I'm good. I'm good. We're out of the first round. I'm almost at the end of the week. Um, yep. Can't really complain too much, man. It was... Last night was stressful and exciting. Some of it was fun, but mostly I was just, you know, preparing to be angry. So I don't have to be angry for today. So that's that's cool, I guess. I don't know why that my team felt the need to stress me out as much as they did, but we avoided disaster. And by disaster, I mean the Dallas Wings winning a playoff series. So I'm, right now I'm feeling okay. Yeah, they definitely uh, didn't make it easy on themselves. Like and that's what's frustrating, right? And so I guess we'll just start there because we're so for this for this episode we're going to kind of cover the the end of the uh, Sky Liberty series and the Sunwing series, preview the next round, um, and go from there. So, um, yeah, as I I think if I was an objective observer last night, I probably would have found last night pretty fun. As someone who was rooting for Connecticut, I was frustrated early and often. Um, whether it be the three early fouls for John Paul Jones or um, just her general lack of what felt like impact for most of the game. And also, like, I don't even think Dallas necessarily played all that well, especially after Izzy Harrison got hurt. But for whatever reason, Connecticut could just not get things going. In the first half, I was really thinking, like, this could be it. And then they ended up going to the half tied. And then the second half was just, to me, a totally different game. And it's kind of what we said about Connecticut the other day, right? When we were recording before the game, um, it's that level of consistency. And it's not even from game to game. Sometimes it's from quarter to quarter. That is frustrating if you're a fan, but also it makes you feel like you're never out of a game because there's always a chance that they go on one of these runs and their defense clamps down and they start hitting shots and, and they're back in it. So, um you got to, you know, get some of my more spicy takes while we were in the midst of looking like I was going to lose to all for Texas and Vicky Johnson and all that stuff. So what were your thoughts about the game? I thought it was really a tale of two halves for the Sun. And I know we have kind of had our thoughts on her, but Dewana Bonner really turned the switch on. Like, I think she actually scored more points in the first half than the second. But that second half, she really, really just put 
her imprint on it all over the place. And one of the more interesting shifts that I noticed in that second half was they kind of let her be kind of like a point forward. Mm-hmm. And the wings didn't really adjust well to that defensively. I think I don't know who her primary defender was, but I know a few times I saw Marina Mabry on her and she just slid right past her, got right to the hoop or got on a driving dish or got to her little pull up. And it really wasn't even the biggest change for the sun, but the wings just didn't really uh, adjust to it. And then also the loss of Izzy Harrison was huge. And that's like, especially on the boards, because mm-hmm. I, I would be, I really think that the Sun won the game on the boards. I think that was really what led to them winning, whether it was second chance points or one and duns, whatever. Like it just, they really limited the wings on the boards, and that's what what happened. So very, uh, very interesting second half from both sides. I definitely think the wings got frustrated too. Marina Mabry looked gassed at certain moments, and honestly, it just kind of kind of return to the mean is what I, I would say. Cause I mean, it's a three, six seed. That's what you kind of expect to, to happen down the stretch of that game. So the wings tried, they played hard and they had themselves in a good position overall. And I definitely don't think this should be seen as a failure, but it was, it was a strong season for them. I think overall. Yeah. I'm obviously regularly negative about the Alice. I think that I saw most people reacting, uh, seeing how much of a step forward this was for the Wings and how they think that this is them turning the corner. And I just, I don't know what to expect of them that going forward. And we'll, we'll, there's plenty of time in the offseason to talk about the offseason. But when we saw how important Izzy was to them as soon as she's not on the court, and I know that there's been issues with her role with the team this year. And I, I think Alicia Gray is essential to everything they do whenever they are playing winning basketball. And there's already the reports that she's going to be gone this summer or this offseason. Sorry, summer is just I'm so used to saying that from from other sports. But um, if this just devolves back to being the Enrique show with her and Marina and, and, and doing that. And there were times where Tierra McCallum was fantastic this year, mostly in that late run over the course of the end of the season. She's a big part of why they lost yesterday because she was getting destroyed down low. And so if, if, if what this ends up being is that it's going to be Enrique and Marina and Tara McCowan, I understand the reason for, I reasons for optimism. And I, and I can acknowledge my bias against Enrique Gumbawale when I'm saying this, but whenever you see these other teams like Atlanta start to make strides and uh, LA's not there right now, obviously, but God knows what they'll be next year. I don't think they're going to sign anybody, but they're essentially a blank slate, so they could. Um, so you have these teams on the outside looking in that Minnesota is – I think they're due for a downturn with still leaving, but they're also one of the more respectable franchises in the league. I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to rebound. I just – I don't – I'm not as optimistic about Dallas going forward because I think that the bottom of the league is getting better. However – they put the fear of God into me yesterday, mostly because I talked too much trash that it would have been very unfortunate to have to eat that. You thought I struggled to eat the crow that was the Chicago Sky last year. Boy, if Dallas had beaten my team, I, I don't know that I would have been able to – I don't know if I would have been able to function. But um, I would probably it, be recording solo 
<laughs> if that I, was I mean, the case. Especially to keep our family-friendly rating. Um, but, like, what you said about the one of honor is obviously true, and also why I have such an issue with her for much of the regular season, because you know that can be the case. There are times where it is the case. The issue is she's going to go for those same exact looks, even when she doesn't have it, and she's not going to adjust. And when she doesn't have it, that's detrimental and somehow doesn't realize it. But whenever it's cooking, I mean, yeah, she can carry you to a win against any team. So we can obviously get into the series preview later when after we're done covering uh, the Sky and Liberty series. But I enjoyed my happiness while I could. I'll, I'll, I'll give that little bit of spoiler. That, uh, yeah. I'll say and, that and, and, and the first half was very good. I mean, and the second half was good, too. Like I'm not I'm not saying that it wasn't good because the sun looked like what we want the sun to look like, but that first half was really good back and forth two way ball on both sides, and the wings just eventually kind of ran out of gas. And then I do I tweeted about how I thought it was such an interesting, uh, and we talked about it a little bit on here, but how it was just an interesting clash of styles mm-hmm. and roster constructions because if the wings and sun traded a few guards for a few bigs with each other, they would be very similar when mm-hmm. built because the wings ran out of size, especially after Izzy went down. And obviously Vicky's not going to play Charlie. And I know a walk played a little bit, but like Charlie stapled to that bench, man, for whatever reason. And then the son, like just have 13 bigs and like three guards or whatever. I mean, I know that's exaggeration, but it's not. You, it's not a huge exaggeration. But you know part. the point. Like, I, I mean, I was just saying that to make a point because I know it's more realistically like eight and four, <laughs> but that's still too many. Yeah, it's still, still yeah, it's the, the balance is way off, and they both have this like roster logjam that they could free up by trading with each other. Ironically enough, I don't think it will happen, but it was just something I noticed, and it was really on display last night because what each other needed was kind of what was eventually the wings downfall because like we said skilled size is always going to be the premium but you can also I, I would also be willing to take a guess that if the wings had more of that size and the sun had more of those guards it would have been a lot different of a game so very interesting contrasting um approaches by those franchises and you kind of saw that on display so but again fun series and the series was really like the series has been really good and we'll we'll move on to this next one now because it was a good one too yeah it, it's it's hard to imagine that a game that had let's use it in three games had a 38 point blowout but i just thought that the new york was a ton of fun to watch. I think they're one of the most – when you talk about a team on the rise, and I think that it's going to be a ton of fun going forward, um, I know it's pretty common a pretty common opinion that uh, they're a couple pieces away from being truly dangerous, and will they get those pieces in free agency this year? Depends on who you ask. I, w- I would venture a solid probably, but I've, I just love what that New York team is doing, and, and – it's cool that it is not just the Sabrina show. Like I, I have no issues with Sabrina. That's not what I'm getting at. But whenever you see, like, I know we talk plenty about the Murray and pass from, uh, 
the first game, but just Hanzu is so much fun, and 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 Michaela had her moments, and I don't know. I just I think New York's really onto something, and I think we kind of saw that. I think that they kind of that's the kind of experience you really need. And you could say the same about Dallas and I'm, I'm admitting my bias whenever I'm not, but getting to steal a game on the road from the defending champions is huge for that New York Liberty franchise. And like, there's a reason why last year they were already getting interviews with players or like the, the, the meetings of players and free agency. And I don't think that's going to be any different this off season because all you should was you're even more legitimate than you were a year ago. So um, yeah, a ton of fun. I, I think that, at the end of the day, Chicago was just too overwhelming, and I think that, that might be a common thread for the rest of the postseason. But um, as someone who obviously has been saying all year, sky, sky, sky back to back, uh, was there any even after like game one? Was there any doubt for you that that, that they were going to end up figuring things out, or no. did, was there anything really all that surprising about what happened in this series for you? No, I I didn't think that game three would be a twenty eight point deficit. Um, but I do think the Liberty kind of woke the sleeping giant, poked the bear, whatever expression you want to use. I think they kind of did that, punched him in the mouth, reminded them of where they were, whatever you like, I said, whatever you want to use to describe it. And I also think that that is something the Liberty can hang their hat on with their season. Like you, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm making a bold statement. There's a realistic chance that the sky only lose that one game. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. Because I think what they did against the Liberty, if they just stay in that flow and replicate it, like I've said all year, I don't think there's a team that can beat them at when they're playing at their best. And, Correct. and I've also said before on this pod way back, I think they are going to dismantle your son. Oh, I do too. I am. I, I, I think they are going to pick them apart in the most surgical, borderline disrespectful. Like the score may not be a 38 point, 28 point game, but like when you watch it, I just feel like it's going to be just, I mean, they're just going to say, Oh, you think Alyssa Thomas defensive player of the year? Let's not do that. Oh, you think John Quinn? No, let's not do Like I think it's just going to be, I honestly just think that they're just going to. <laughs> when I said I got to save my hot takes about my team. For for now, it was literally just for another like week and a half, two weeks. I my what gave me pause about the sky running the table the rest of the way, like in terms of sweeping, was that I think they might drop a game or two in the finals. I I think they are going to sweep the Connecticut Sun, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think the matchup is atrocious, and yeah, I just I I, I don't I think that the the Sun are better than they were last year when healthy. I think the Sky are much better than they were last year. So if it was already not a close series last year and they got swept by that team in the regular season this year, I don't see any reason to really expect any different. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that Dunkwell has to be much more assertive early on and actually play like the MVP. Some of that's on her, some of that's on teammates, some of that's on her coach. But like I don't know, like I I love John Quell. So I think that we all regularly just put the blame on other people. Eventually, at the end of the day, if you're an MVP, you got to put that on yourself too, right? Like those three early fouls in the game are on you. Like that's the they were going to her early and it wasn't falling. And and for her to take herself out of her the game in that way, that's the one on the coaches. You know what I mean? Like right. So there's definitely levels to it. It's and I I think that 
a better team in Dallas would have exposed that, and that would have been because I, I think that the Sun played very well in Game One. I don't think they necessarily played very well in, in Games Two or Three. But I mean, right. they certainly did in Game Two where they got blown out. But I don't think that the run that they were able to go on in the game last night would have happened against. Maybe even if Dallas doesn't lose Izzy, maybe they don't even go on that run. I, I really and truly wonder about that because she what she brought for Dallas, mm-hmm. they couldn't duplicate it. They they did not. No, and in some matchups, Tierra is a better big, but not in that one. No, not at all. And and I on both ends. Yeah, like because you have someone like John Quayle or At or even Bree Jones. Who none of them are as big as Tierra McCowan, but they have such a array of tricks in their bag and foot speed and all. I mean, they just have so many advantages on her that playing her for long minutes is not really going to work well in your favor. Simultaneously, those players are still big enough and strong enough to neutralize her physical gifts on the offensive end and if she can't defend or realistically be an offensive option like there's nothing yeah there's no benefit to playing her and and that's not a knock against big t let me let me make that no 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 no, not at all i just want to clarify that because some people may think that we're trying to slander her that's not i love big t in general it's just just the fact of the matter like sometimes matchups are better for some players and they're not good for others and especially when you're a six foot eight player like you're gonna have those moments, and especially yeah. for someone like Big T, who is fairly like still fairly new to the wings, if we're being honest, and you know could still be adjusting. But also, again, the the, the Sun have so many different types of bigs. I I thought that Vicky should have leaned on a walk a little more. I do think a walk could have maybe not won the game, but kept it you know a little closer. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, that didn't happen, but I do think she would have at least helped defensively, just being mobile uh, and long. But you know, I, I, we there's nothing we can do about that at this point. It's just it was her choice, and she made it. And you know, I, I'm I, I at the end of the day, she she was working with a limited limited selection, and you know, she made this and she made and. While there have been some decisions she's made where I would very loudly disagree or maybe, you know, make a joke or two, that there's not one of them here. She did what she felt was right in the moment. And As a wise woman once said, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really and truly, that's it. So so to me, I, I like I said, I think that the Sun are going to get swept, but I think if they have a chance to get to make it a little bit more competitive. One of the major things is, is what we said about John Quell being more assertive. And I also think that it's important for Kurt to go to his bench more. They're very limited Nia Cloud, but to, to an extent limited Dijonet unless it was a blowout. And not that I think that those two are world beaters or anything like that necessarily, but you've an Odyssey Sims too. So like, it's not just like the young people. I think that this is going to be attractive. If you're going yes. to compete, it's, you're not going to get them to play this slow, grinded out style. So what the only way to beat them is to try to match them at that. I don't think anyone is truly capable, except for maybe the aces at playing a track meet successfully multiple times against this guy. But that's what you have to try to do. And 
when you saw the sun thrive in transition this season, it was when you have people like Dijanae leaking out or Nia Cloudon being that connector in space and AT just throwing ridiculous passes for like a full court that led to Natisha Heidemann getting clocked last night, but that's not always going to be the case. So I think that that like, it's an adjustment of style. And I, I do think John Paul Jones is capable of thriving in that as well, or Bree Jones is capable of thriving in that as well. But I think that everyone has to commit to that. It can't be this disjointed effort. And then once someone goes, gets into foul trouble or goes to the bench, that's when you do it. I think that that's going to have to be the way that you play throughout. And that's why I do think that the deeper bench is going to be necessary. It's why I do think that there's a chance that obviously you're going to start Heidemann. I'm not saying don't start her, but I do think there's a chance that someone like an Odyssey Sims is the better guard for most of the series for the team, just because of the way the matchup is going to flow. So I don't know. I, I think that to put a bow on that, I think we agree that a sweep is coming, unfortunately. Correct. Well, fortunately, if you're rooting for the sky for me, who. Yeah, I think so. Um, But I also, I also speaking to your point about the bench, I think even if no other reason than one end of the court, I think DJ's defense alone warrants playing her a lot more mm-hmm. against this guy a lot mm-hmm. more because her her poa defense has really evolved and looked really good and i think if you're gonna have a chance to maybe disrupt slooped or keep quigley under control or keep kai in check like if you're gonna have a chance even just a chance i'm not gonna say she's gonna do it but i i give yourself oh. a chance Right, like, because as we talked about, as me and you talked about in private yesterday, like, Courtney Williams' defense has been pretty lackluster since she came to Connecticut. I thought pretty highly of her on that end last year. Um, But this year, she, to me, has not really had that same level of defense. And I don't feel like you can really rely on her to do that right now. And then Natisha Heideman is not really a plus defender. She's, I wouldn't call her a turnstile, but you know, she's going to give you effort, but she's just physically limited. I mean, that yeah. just is what it is. Like she'll, she'll, she'll play some good, uh, hustle effort, but it's not going to be, you know, stopping Kalia Copper. No, no, no. Um, but then, um, Odyssey Sims, I mean, eh, you know, she, I hadn't really seen her a lot with Connecticut, so I can't really. It's more just to, like, like, I'm not talking about the defensive end. I, 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 I like Odyssey Sims fine on that end, but like it's more just like if you're going to play in that in that transition game because I do think sometimes Heidemann gets a little bit lost in translation there. So yeah, no, I, I agree. You're going to play one of the two point guards there. You don't even necessarily have to play one of them because a lot of times whenever it, it, they're creating a lot of chaos in that realm, it is with AT as a de facto point guard. So you could go super big and not play either of them. That's an option right. as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely are going to have to look to, and I, I and I also just think I don't see this as a positive. Let me clarify: I don't think this is ever positive. This is what you have to do. But like, they're going to have to try to play this guy's game. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think there's any other option, um, unless like we talk about something drastically changes with John Quayle. You're not holding the sky to seven points. Yeah, so you can't try to win seventy eight. 72 like that's just not reasonable so i don't know so yeah, yeah. It, it'll be it'll be a sight to see but i i don't think it's gonna be i don't think it's gonna be i i think this guy are gonna 
set the tone early. And while they do have their noted struggles at holding leads sometimes, I just don't know if the Sun have the firepower. To really... you know, for a team as loaded with stars as they are, it's not like, and like unless it's a night like last night for Dewan Bonner, it's not a lot of like high I scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, uh, yeah. it's it's so it's so interior based. Like if you get down, it's hard to come back mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, like unless you just like completely stop someone on defense, which doesn't really happen that often, like you need threes. And threes and or free throws. And they can get plenty of free throws, but, like, you're not going to be given enough free throws to make a comeback if you're down 15 points or whatever. Like, it's just really not not enough to rely on it. It does happen, but it's not something you can rely on. I, they, they're just such a weird team to me, man. Like, yeah, I like it? Yeah. yeah. Well, to your point, so they're last in the playoffs so far. In, in, in three points attempts per game at just 15. The next closest was Phoenix at 20 and a half. Like, yeah, that's like a, that's a, it's a, a sizable a, gap. Yeah, that's a very sizable gap. And I'm not, I don't think, I don't think they can win like that. I just don't. No, they're also, they were best, they're, they're best so far at free throws because they, they're obviously causing so much havoc down low, but they're converting at a 78% clip, which is also not good enough. Like, that, that, that's the third lowest conversion rate. So, I don't know. I think that their their calling card is rebounding, and, and the sky out, would have out rebounded them. Like the sky were the were the top rebounding team in the first round. And some of that is because you're going against the New York team. It's all, all due respect to Natasha Howard, who is fantastic, not employing the same level of size and 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 the glass eating that the Sun are. But I don't think that this is a matchup that necessarily. I mean, I've I've said it from the start that I thought that if if they could get on the opposite side of the bracket from the sun, I thought, or from the, sorry, from the sky that I thought that my team had a chance to make a run to the finals. Um, the second the bracket broke the way that it did, I was so mad whenever Vegas got the number one seed because I knew that that took me out of it. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, yeah. that's how I felt from jump. And like, it is what it is. Like you, you, Sometimes that just happens. Sometimes it is about matchups. And I think that, that the matchup is just not feasible. So I, let me ask you this. I would love to be wrong. So let me ask you this, Corey. If rebounds are the key in this Sun Sky series, and you said that the Sky have led the playoffs in rebounding, but they were playing a pretty weak rebounding team. Mm-hmm. If you had to take a guess, if you were to put money on it, which team wins the rebounding battle in this series? I actually still think. I think it's going to be very close. I think that it's underrated, right? The Connecticut was the best rebounding team in the league during the regular season, but only like the sky were sixth, but they were, it, it was less than three rebounds or sorry. Yeah. Less than three re- rebounds per game separated them. So I don't know, man, I, I think how much foul trouble is John Paul Johnson or like, you know what I mean? Like that's to me, like that, that could be a deciding factor because like for some, for much of the regular season, like I think Ka is a, is a great rebounding guard and she missed a chunk of the season, which could have adjusted that. So, I think I think Connecticut I think Connecticut keeps it close in that regard, but I do think the Sky probably have a slight edge. So if you're playing their game and they're out rebounding you, all right. So you think the Sky are going to win the rebounding battle? I do. I do. And the series. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's very like like I said. I would love to be wrong. 
I will be rooting for my team and watching happily and hoping. And I expect to lose all three games by double digits. So be it. All right. Uh, so Ace of Storm. Yeah. I think we said this on when we recorded Monday, but if you had told me like a month or two ago that this is what we were going to getting, I probably wouldn't have been that excited. I've, we, we both said that, not that necessarily we are big Storm fans now, but we like them much more than we did at the beginning of the year, certainly. Yes, I think they're, they're, And I think this series is actually going to be awesome. It's cool that this is the first finals that I ever watched, a rematch of that, uh, the first finals that we did as a podcast, which is kind of cool. Um I don't know if they're a rivalry necessarily. I think that there's other bigger rivalries in the league, but there's something here. And you're, you have the, the two players that are, I think, the two f- favorites for MVP. Uh, obviously, that'll get announced, I think, sometime during the series. I don't have the schedule up in front of me. but uh, So that adds a little bit of a wrinkle to it as well, right? Uh, another possibly final series for Sue Bird, depending on how this goes. Brian January. Tina Charles will 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 uh, Derrica Hamby be back? I don't know. Have we heard? Have we heard when she's coming back? I'm kind of touching on everything as we go, but I've heard like very little. Yeah, which I think that's pretty important because that is our. I think I know it's our biggest issue with the Aces is their utter lack of depth, and so removing anyone who provides something positive in that regard from the equation is certainly a worry, right? But yes. I, I think that this this series is going to be extremely exciting. I think that actually, so I don't know if you have it up in front of you, the information up in front of you. Do you know what the season record between these two teams was? It was three and one aces, if I recall correctly. I did not realize that. I, yeah. So, like, I, not necessarily that I thought it would be the opposite, but three to one's pretty, like, I, as someone who's not sure entirely who to pick right now, that that kind of that kind of surprised me, and and we think of a lot of the the discourse about why Asia can't possibly be MVP is she's not the leading scorer on her team. Well, in this series, she was the leading scorer on her team at twenty two point eight points per game. Yes, oddly she enough tied up. with oddly enough tied with Brianna Stewart, who was at twenty two point eight points per game. So, I, I think that this is going to be the showcase of like I said, the top two MVP candidates, but also just like the top two players in the world to me at this point. In the, in the four games they played this year, this season, uh, Asia averaged 22.8 points, 11.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists, a steal, and 1.8 blocks, while Stewie averaged 22.8 points, 10 rebounds, 2.3 assists, one steal, and an eighth of a block per game. Like, ridiculous. If we get, if we get something close to that, that's what you. I mean, that's what you want the playoffs to be, right? And I, I'm so and excited you, for what this. And is. you want this to be a multi-game series, like this. This being a five-game series is going to be fantastic. Yeah, be I wanted to go five. I really do because I think yeah. that I don't think it does. I'll go ahead and go. On. I'll, I'll I'll give a little bit of a preview for my prediction. I don't think it does go five. Okay, but I think it's more likely to go five than Connecticut, Chicago. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, um, but, yeah, I, I think this is going to be another battle of conflicting styles, kind of, but also very similar styles simultaneously. it's They're very, very interestingly matched teams. Mm-hmm. And I know the broadcast, the other night highlighted seven number one overall picks in this matchup, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, you've got, you know, I, I think it's cool that you've got two women coaches going against each other. I find that to be cool. Former players mm-hmm. themselves, like there's just a lot of, a lot of different la- layers to this series that I think are very fascinating. And I, I think the key to this one is going to specifically fall on one team on one side of the floor. And I think it depends on which Aces defense shows up. Mm-hmm. I think that is the key factor for this entire series because I know, I feel very confident saying that the Storm are going to show up every game and play their game, regardless of what the Aces do. The Storm, to me, are a team that are very hard to rattle, very composed, and are going to just do what they do. And they're going to ride until the wheels fall off. Mm-hmm. because they do it at a high level and more often than not is going to be enough to secure a win against this Aces team. Obviously we see they're three and one, like, you know, the Aces have won three of the four, but, and I, I, I don't know if that's going to repeat. I do think whoever wins the series wins it in four. I like you. I'm kind of torn. I'm going to try to make a decision by the end of that, this uh, segment, mm-hmm. but I will say going through this process, I am like you, I'm very much torn. But I I just think the Aces defense is, to me, that's their X factor here for this series because the Storm are going to make them run. <laughs> but they're going to make them run a lot like in half-court sets, kind of similar to how the Warriors do, yeah. all that movement off the ball. Like, they, like I said, the it's Storm is going to be your first option. Right. They're such a unique team. And I just think that it's going to be – it's going to, you know, you talk about planning a sky being a track meet. I think this one's going to be a track meet, but in a very different way. And if I had to pick an X factor for Seattle, just to be, you know, pick each side, Gabby Williams. Her health and is I, not like with the, with the concussion, but yeah. also when she's on the court, she's just such a difference maker. Yeah. Gabby Williams, I, I think, I think she is the difference. Um, because nice, but I have slightly different difference makers, so I'm glad. I'm, I'll let you finish your point. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, yeah, I think we're we're looking at a couple of different things, which is what makes yeah. this series so fascinating. I, I think the biggest, my biggest, and I, I I do not know what the stats say about this. This is completely off my eye test of these four games. I don't know if I've seen a defender rattle Chelsea Gray as much as Gabby Williams does. Yeah, this, I year, don't... this year, just saying this yeah. year, like. You know I love Chelsea Gray, one of my favorite players to watch. One of my one of my favorite players in the league, and Gabby just seems to get after her in ways that nobody else has really shown the ability to. And I think there are a handful of reasons for that. I think athleticism, physicality, size, all of that plays a factor, and she uses all of that to just be, and be like half a step ahead. And shut down what Chelsea's going to do before she even does. And obviously, Chelsea's going to adjust. She's one of the best point guards in the league. But she's not going to make it easy for her. And I think that could really hamper the Aces' offense. So that's what I was going to say is my offensive X factor for the Aces is Chelsea Gray. Because I think that she's been fantastic in this postseason run so far. She is. And that's kind of like the juxtaposition of 
of how she was shooting in the series against the the, the storm and then how she has so far in the postseason, right? So in the four games against the storm in the regular season, Chelsea Gray was actually third on the team in scoring at 17 and a half points per game. Obviously pretty respectable. Then you look at her three-point shooting and it was 25%. And she had seven and a half assists per game, which would be among the league leaders if that was her, her season mark, right? But I think that, and it's that's not obviously, like I, I don't have it broken down by who defended her when and like that, but you can see that efficiency, I think, really matters. And that's why my, my X factor for Seattle, as always, is Joel Lloyd. I think that if she's the Joel Lloyd we've seen in the last game of the regular season and then in the playoffs, I think that this Seattle team is a true title contender and one of the one of the most frightening teams in the league. If she's the Joel Lloyd that we saw for most of the regular season, give me the Lady Aces all day. You know what I mean? Like it's I think those two players are while being arguably the third or fourth most high-profile players on their teams at times, I think they hold the keys to this series entirely. I think that because you're going to get what you're going to get from Su- from Stewie, you're going to get what you're going to get from Asia. That's like almost like guaranteed, right? Um, Kelsey Plum's been fantastic this year, and I think that as long as she's getting out in transition, she's going to be fantastic in this series. Which Chelsea Gray are we getting? Because in the postseason so far, she has been lights out. So, so, so far, she is averaging uh, – She's hitting 76.9% of her three-point shots. Obviously, that mark is not sustainable, but at six and a half attempts per game, hitting 77%, that's absurd. She's tied for the leading scorer in the postseason so far at 22 points per game. So, like, and that's two games, obviously. Weird, small sample. But I think that if you're getting a Chelsea Gray who can be the best player on the floor with two MVPs on the floor, that, I mean, more whenever you consider like the Tina Charles of the world, but you know what I mean? Like to, to the two current MVP favorites in, in there's that there are obviously going to be times where she's the best player on the floor. I think the aces, like that's whenever you, that thought process is when, when you said earlier that you think the sky are going to sweep the rest of the playoffs, that's what gives me pause because if that's the Chelsea gray, you're getting combined with what we've seen from the other aces this year, that team is terrifying. Oh yeah, absolutely. And when I said that, I didn't say that to discredit the aces. I know. Uh, they are terrifying, but I I just think the sky are built to weather whatever any team can throw at them. I mean, really and truly. And you know, you talk about Chelsea Gray being an X factor, and I talked about that possibility of her being I don't want to say canceled out, but uh, you know, harp harpened on or you know just neutralized a bit. I think that just shoots the pressure up for Jackie Young. It does. And we talked a lot about Jackie's improvements and her consistency. But she's been playing a lot of off the ball. And I assume that – and see, this is where the, it gets interesting because if you have Plum Gray Young versus Williams Lloyd Bird. Who defends who? You're going well, to you're going you're going to go Williams on Gray. You're going to go Lloyd on Plum, and that leaves Sue on Jackie, right? Obviously, this obviously there's a lot more intricacies of that with switching and 
ball and things of that. And you have the benefit like, of having like the back line of Ezzy and, and, and Stewie in a lot of those situations, right? Right. So it's not going to just be like a free for all for Jackie Young, but it could be because yeah, it, he's going to be able to create a lot of space. And with her strength inside and confidence inside, my biggest thing in terms of putting that pressure back on Jackie is not as a scorer. Because I is as a facilitator because I could very easily see her again working Sue inside or off the bounce or whatever if that's who she's matched up against. Maybe Noah Quinn throws a wrench in this. This is just my train of thought going into this, but she's going to be able to beat Sue at every level. I mean, I just and that and that's no disrespect to Sue, but that just is what it is. How do the storm? adjust to that and how did the aces adjust to that adjustment mm-hmm. is going to be the battle i and again i think that's a battle that's very deep deep wrinkles that is you know you're not always going to see easily but that's what makes it fascinating and i think if jackie comes out and is getting four or five assists a game at the minimum that really opens things up for the aces to bust this mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. and I, I and again i'm not sure how many assists she averaged because i know she was drafted as a point guard now she's more, i put her as a at a three as a small forward in our uh build a build a team uh because she does kind of just slot, slot in at that three spot because they run a little three guards but uh i i think if I had to pick an aces offensive X factor, I would pick Jackie Young facilitating. That that's interesting. So so far in the playoffs, she's averaging two and a half assists per game. Yes, yeah, see, I think we're gonna need more than that in this yeah. series. But in the in the regular season matchup of these two teams, she averaged four and a half. Yeah, see that's more that's like a what I'm thinking. Success. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so yeah, that that's more like what I'm thinking in that regard. So I, I just think that, to me, that's my ace's offensive key. And, and for Seattle, if I had to pick an offensive key for them, because I don't think I did, um, you know, I think it's really going to be about, I think their bench unit, mm-hmm. just off the top of my head, would be, would be key for me, just kind of, because it's, you're, we know the aces aren't going to go deep on their bench. And so mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of Seattle's bench versus the aces starters. And while the aces starters may be a little more tired or whatever, they also may just be more in rhythm and, you know, the bench is going to have to keep it close. Um, and specifically offensively, I, I think that the storm run a defensive scheme where they can defend with whoever's on the court, but I need to see their, I want to see their offense just stick with it. I don't know. It's, Again, there's so many different levels of this series, but it's it's going to be fascinating. And this, I'm going to be glued to every one of these games. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on both sides, but especially this series, I think I'm just going to be glued, and it's it's going to be so much fun to watch. Like, you know, we talked about the storm watching them as a uh, spectacle fan may not get a lot, but this one is going to be so many X's and O's, so many little underlying actions motions decoys like all everything you you could want i think it's gonna be a fantastic coaching series as well yes. right i think that not enough people yes. give noel quinn the credit she deserved and, and no. Bob Beckham has been exceptionally celebrated so far and, and with good reason i think both of them are 
our elite coaches, and I think that we're going to get that level of a treat. So yes, um, yeah. yeah Noel Quinn is, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, Noel Quinn is fantastic. I I don't think she gets enough love. I think a lot of people, like I said, I think I said this on the last pod. Yep. I, I think a lot of people still think she just inherited a great team, and while she did inherit a very talented team, it you still have to know what you're doing and be great to keep them at the great level because talent, yeah. talent alone is not going to win you games. No. And like the fact that like they've continued to adapt their style, I think like it's, it's not an entirely different style, but it's continued to evolve incrementally. I think it's very impressive. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I don't think it was Dan Hughes before. And I think if he had this exact same roster, I don't think they're playing anything like this. And I, I would be willing to bet, with all due respect to him, that they wouldn't have been a four seed with this roster. No one thought. I don't. Maybe uh, no. I won't say no one. No one that I talked to. I, I know there was plenty of people that picked Seattle higher than I did in the preseason, but I didn't think this roster was going to work the way that it did. And some of that mm-hmm. is the explosion of Ezie Mag before, or um, Stewie coming back from injury better than anyone could have ever hoped, but. A lot of that is just the way that Quinn has put them into a position to succeed yes. every single night. So, yes. yeah. Yes, uh, to your point, oh, go ahead. I, I keep cutting you off. Your father, she's used the talents and roster that she has in such a unique way that I, I, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. I really can't think of words at this point to describe it. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's amazing. So, what I was going to say is to your point about, um, the the storm bench and everything like that. Uh, it's interesting it, that we we harp on the lack of playing of the depth for the aces. Seattle in this in the four games they played this series is in in, in this series season is pretty similar, right? They have five players, sorry, six players that played twenty minutes or more, mm-hmm. and that's it. Then it's Steph Talbot at fourteen minutes, and Brian January at thirteen, and John Tell Lavender at twelve. So there's a chance that both of these are pretty pretty tight rotations and. If that's the case, I think I lean aces because they've, they're at least I, – I don't – like Seattle's going to do everything they can to make them run those actions in, 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 the, in the half court and everything like that. But the aces are used to playing at this heightened pace that I think that they're not going to be stressed about only playing six players most of the time. Or five – like it'll be, le- it'll be a little bit different with, with Hamby not necessarily back. But I think the more we talk about it, I think well, – it's time for predictions anyway – I think aces in five, and I just I think this series is going to be a blast. And I'm hoping uh, we got we got a fun series with Seattle in the first round with Washington, right? And it only went two, and I don't think that took away from how fun it is. This could be less than five, but with how much I'm having trouble picking between these two teams, I, I think that it's going to be exceptionally close. And I think the aces are able to close it out at home. I like it. I like it. Yeah, and I and I think before I make my prediction, just to com- uh, comment on your point before, even if it's just for we'll say thirteen minutes a piece, just to average them out. Talbot January Lavender is to me a bit ahead of yeah. Who would it be? Bell, uh, Repair, and Plaisance. Plaisance, yeah. Raquana, like even I mean, even if it's those four, um, 
Yeah, I like Seattle's. I like Seattle's grouping better I, as well. I think I would lean that way a little bit, but I honestly didn't realize in these matchups that they it was that tight of rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's it's a good point that you brought up there, and I'm I'm with you. That does make me lean aces. Um, you said five. I am going to stand on four. Uh, it could easily go either way, four or five. But I'm going to say aces and four with a closeout in Seattle. To be fair, I prefer it that way. Just, you know, the sentimental the sentimental person in me, right, would rather Subaru be able to go out at home. So I think that could be kind of cool. But, yeah. So that, that wraps it up for the playoff preview or all of that. Uh, also today they announced Rookie of the Year and All-Rookie Team. Sam Thomas did not make the All-Rookie Team. Uh, some may say that that's just an absolute travesty. Uh, all jokes aside, I, I think that they pretty much nailed it. So the, the All-Rookie Team was Ryan Howard, who was your Rookie of the Year, um, Melissa Smith, Queen, Queen Egbo, uh, Shakira Austin, and Rebecca Gardner. I would have made the case against Gardner, but I'm not mad at it at all. I thought there was, to me, six rookies that you could pick, and five of them were going to make it. I think they are all very deserving. I think there's a chance Rebecca Gardner makes all all defense. I think she's that good. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance Shakira Austin makes all defense. I think she's that good. Uh, Ryan was a revelation. So as someone who got to see Ryan live regularly, and, and she was both of our picks for Rookie of the Year in the end, do you think that the, do you have any issues with any of the decisions that, or any of the voting or anything like that? Not at all. To be honest, I'm kind of surprised that she only got 53 of the 56. See, that's interesting because I'm surprised it was, it was, it was not closer. I thought it was going to be a little bit more split. So I, I know we talked about like Alyssa and Shakira. And while I do feel that they definitely had, I, I guess what I meant by that is I'm kind of in the same boat as you. But I felt like it was not going to be like two and one. I thought it was either going to be like, well, there's 56. I thought it was going to be like 30, 16, 10. Yeah. Or like 56 and 56. Like, I I didn't think it was going to be just a few. I thought there was going to be a decent size constituency for one, a little bit bigger for a middle one, and then mostly for Ryan. I didn't think it was going to be 53, two and one. Yeah. I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, but no, you, you you said it pretty good. Um, Ryan was a revelation from the first day. I mean, from the first day, it was it. Was, <laughs> watching her in person all season was crazy, and, and she had her struggles as a rookie. Don't get me wrong. I know her efficiency wasn't great. It took her a while to really. Uh, to me, I I thought that her getting inside and finishing. Uh, improved a lot over the year, but she surprised me defensively and her shots, man, were always timely. Cool blood. Yeah, she she got that thing. But I mean, she just let it fly. It's quick. She's tall. It's tough to guard. She set a record for a WNBA rookie with 85 three-pointers. Uh, all-star dream rookie records and points and rebounds like just really really impressive rookie season and the sky is really the limit I mean I, I think there's a very legitimate pathway to her being a top five player in this league and I 
don't think it'll take that long. Um, I saw her on Instagram the other day working with, she was running at Georgia Tech with April Sykes and some of the other W vets and players that run there with her. And it it's very obvious that she loves the game. It's very obvious that she has that drive to get better. I know she's scheduled to play overseas. I cannot remember where, um, but I know she's already got, and her team over there is going to be good. And I I think um, I think they got it right. And when it comes to the rookie team, I'm Real curious. She play, she's playing with uh, she's playing in Italy with Familia. Oh man, why did I just Famil- start saying Famil- that? Like I was going to nail that. Familia show, S C H O. Yeah, yeah. Familia Uber show. Yeah, I, I think that's how. You, I think that's how you say it. I might be wrong, but yeah, I'm familiar with that team. Um, but yeah, I mean, she led all the rookies in points, assists, steals, eleventh in scoring in the league, fifth in steals in the league. I, I just, I mean, it was apparent from the word go. You know, with all. We we love Nalissa here. We're very pro Nalissa, very pro Shakira. I mean, I thought this rookie class was good, but it was definitely just Ryan. And there was a little bit of a gap. I do think that gap got pretty small at certain moments, but it was sizable down the stretch. And first time a dream player has won since Angel, that's it's pretty huge. And I, I think that there's a chance that if she stays in Atlanta like Angel did, that she could – hop up in there with Angel with best players in dream history. So, you know, shout out to Ryan. Looking looking forward to watching her again next year and for years to come. And when it comes when, it's gonna be great when NECA goes there and you're a true Atlanta Dream fan. That that would be actually hilarious. Like it'd be so funny. It would be absolutely hilarious if, if NECA came to the dream. But I wanted to ask you you said you would argue against Rebecca Gardner. Who would you have replaced her with? I I, I admitted my complete bias. I, I would have replaced her with Emily Angstler. I think that's Emily what I thought. I wanted to clarify. Yeah, I'm not even I, saying I'm right. It's just you could have also split it between her and Queen. I think that to me, I think those were the top six. So I'm not the the top three was definitive. I, there was no argument against those three. And then I I was letting my burgeoning Indiana Fever fandom show whenever. Well, well, like when we did ours on the pod, what two weeks ago? I yeah. I I put Nas. Yeah, I like, I like Nas. You know, I put her on mine, and I I think she got a little bit of a late start to actually make it. But yeah, I think like it, players like her and and oh no, if if they'd gotten more run earlier, yeah, would have been or like even were just more comfortable earlier because like I think this rookie class is really good. I think that, that it was it was not top down on early, but like always like looking forward to the next couple of years. And it's like, well, after the top three, there's a little bit of a drop. I just, I, I, I like this class a lot. I think it's, you're already seeing a change in the league. So. Yeah. And I, and I think there's a lot of value to, even if these, even if there's only three stars. Yes. I think all of these players have lengthy careers ahead of them. I don't, you know, I don't really think there's anyone that is going to be, rookie and gone or rookie and out for a few years. I I think, and there's a lot of value to that. There's a lot of value to just sticking around, especially in a league as cutthroat and, you know, small as a W and it's still the premier league. Other leagues have more money. Other leagues have more opportunity, but 
maybe not every player, but a lot of them players are still working to come play in the W. I mean, Rebecca Garden is a perfect example, is she not? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think her story is absolutely incredible. A lot of people are focused on her age, but they don't focus on how she got here. I, I heard him talking about on the broadcast of the night, like James Wade and his wife were chilling in France, and his wife was like, hey, you need to go check this player out. And Wade went checked her out, and here she is playing a key role on a championship contender at mm-hmm. 31 years old. Making all it's awesome. teams. Yeah, it's awesome. absolutely. As much as I would have picked, like I said, I would have picked other players. That is no slight on her. I think she is absolutely phenomenal. So, and yeah. And, and so, what, what I appreciate about that core is that you didn't say, because, oh, well, she's not technically a rookie. No, she is a WNBA no, she's a rookie. rookie. I, like, that I, drove I, me. That, what, what, like, there's a million things that get beaten into the ground by talking heads on Twitter, whether it be. I, th- I know you had the the meme earlier in the season with uh, Alyssa Thomas's shoulders and uh, uh, pick your Sabrina and Eskew storyline or whatever. You know what I mean? But like one of the things that I just got to, yeah, she is a rookie. I understand that she's older than everybody else, but you like you acting like it's an insult to call her a rookie. It was just bizarre to me. Like it's okay. Like you you can admit it. She, but like that doesn't take away from anything. Any, any of the greatness that she was this year. So yeah. That does it for this week on Rebel Edition. We will be back next week uh, covering the first games of the second round of the playoffs. If there's any news or anything like that to cover at that time, we will do so. We should uh, have but, some more awards, shouldn't we? We'll have most improved on Monday the 29th. So, which is the next time we will record. And so, thir- <laughs> Thursday the 1st, we will have sixth player. Friday the 2nd, we'll have defensive player and defensive teams. Perfect. So, uh, definitely more awards to talk about next week. Like I said, we'll have six. We'll have. You said most improved is is Monday. So that that at a minimum will be on the next pod. Uh, than any other news that that may break between now and then. There's always something to talk about in the W for better or for worse. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode. You can follow me at Hoops OP. You can find Bailey at Sir underscore Richmond twenty. And you know, I know she's not here today, but always definitely go give. At Carissa Engram Apollo. We miss Carissa. Uh, please like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please follow at Outlet Pass BB for all of our coverage of the MNBA and WNBA. Bailey, do you want to mention uh, what you're going to be doing on Instagram as well? I mean, my Instagram stands on Twitter, so you can follow me on there. I'm just going to post the pod and other things on there. Uh, just just cross posting really, but I'm gonna try to create reels and things as well. So I'm an old person, so that's a big deal to me. Uh, I, I tweeted, or, or I tweeted, I sent out our the posts for the Instagram, and I immediately got a message from my brother the other day, being like, "Oh my god, you do this now!" And I was like, I think "That might be my first post." Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that'll do it for us. We will catch you next week on Rebel Edition. Bye.